Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. Today, we hear from our pastor, Reverend Chris Everson. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. So this is week two of the season of Lent. And during the season, we are looking at the narratives that we have about who God is. Uh, as we talked about last week, sometimes we have images and pictures of God that, that just aren't quite accurate. We, we, we place our image of God from our human standards instead of really taking a look at, at who God himself said that he is. So over the next six more weeks until we get to Easter, where we are celebrating how God transforms each and every one of us. We're looking at a different narrative. Last week, we talked about how God is good. Today, we are talking about how God is trustworthy. And the reason why we're doing that is because we want to continue to grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. I love this quote from one of my favorite writers, Brennan Manning. He said this, he said, the Christ within who is our hope of glory is not a matter of theological debate or philosophical speculation. He is not a hobby, a part-time project, a good theme for a book, or a last resort when all human effort fails. He is our life, the most real fact about us. He is the power and wisdom of God dwelling within us. That's why during this season of Lent, we're, we're going to have spiritual exercises. You had one uh, last week uh, because uh, we want to practice what it means to be a disciple. How can we fully unleash the power of God that is within us? I love this, this church sign. It was uh, from a, uh, a I, I saw another one that I really liked that I couldn't find again, but, but it basically said this, that faith is like muscle. It grows stronger through exercise. You know, what we believe about God and how we relate to the God who loves us and cares about us only gets stronger when we take the opportunity to build our faith. Now, that's not saying that God loves us less because we may not exercise our faith, but it helps us to fully see who God is in our life when we take the opportunity to grow in that faith and understanding. Last week, I gave you the challenge to take uh, just five minutes a day to, to spend time in silence. And, and it's an exercise that I uh, failed to do for quite a while. I got started back up doing it again, basically because I was scolded by uh, Ruth Cherry uh, when I went and talked with her last uh, Tuesday. You know, uh, we were talking, and I was just, I, I, I had a down day that day. And she looked at me and said, Pastor Chris, are you taking time to be silent? No, ma'am, I'm not. I said, well, you should. And I started to, you know, it happened, and I felt better. 
because I was allowing God's presence to, to flow into my life. And, and I was saying, you know, God, right now, I'm not going to think anything. I'm not going to try to do anything. I just want to be with you. And I've heard from some of you about your practice of doing that, of giving it a try. Uh, one person said, you know, the five minutes came, and I was expecting it to seem like it took an eternity. But when the five minutes ended, I was like, I want more. I, I want to spend more time in silence. I want to spend more time in God's presence. I had another one say that there was this, this sense of peace that I've had that I haven't had in a while. You know, just think, how could our lives change when we take the opportunity to fully know and experience the love of God? Today we're going to talk about how God is, is trustworthy, and I'm going to ask my buddy Evan to come up here. Evan, come on up here. How many of you have heard of a trust fall? Anybody? A trust fall. Okay, Evan, come on over here, buddy. Hop on up here. There we go. Okay, now I need you to turn around this way. All the way around, okay? Now, Evan, being totally honest here, how confident right now would you be that if you fell backwards that I would catch you? How confident? I'm right here, right behind you. You don't feel confident? Don't do it. <laughs> because I don't know if I feel confident. Okay. How about now? How about now? Definitely not. But right about here, how confident would you feel? More than you did any of the other ones. Okay, I'm not going to make you do it, but I could catch you. I know I could. Okay, hop on down. Thanks, Evan, for helping us out. You know, our, our faith sometimes may feel like a, a trust fall. You know, we, we know that there is a God that's there, but we don't want to fully engage because... We don't know if we're going to get caught. We, we may not feel like God will catch us. I think one of my favorite trust fall videos, you can look this up. There are two sisters. They're talking about a trust fall, and there's a sister standing behind the other one, and they're talking about what it is. And the sister in front, when it says, one, two, three, go, she falls forward <laughs> and just flots down. You know, and, and maybe that's one of the reasons why we do too. We, we may have God, God has our back, but Instead, we flop forward, going our own direction instead of actually leaning on who God is in our lives. So as we start talking about God being trustworthy, I invite you to go to God in prayer with me. Let us pray. Oh God, we uh, just ask that your spirit just rest upon us. We ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart here be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So God is trustworthy. See, trust, that, that, that's a big word for us, isn't it? 
We really want to be able to trust one another. But see, I think the issue is that when we talk about trusting God, we, we have a tendency, as we said last week, to place our earthly experiences on God instead of allowing God to say, this is how I am trustworthy. This is how I have proven my trustworthy to you or how I show to you that you can trust me when life is difficult or when life is hard. I tell you, there are times that I just get so, I guess depressed would be a, a good word whenever I look at uh, news stories uh, you know, on TV or newspapers, radio, or uh, even looking at social media. All of these stories and, and points of views, it, it makes me not want to trust. It makes me not want to trust those in leadership. It makes me not want to trust those who are reporting uh, figures. It makes me not just want to trust anyone. And I'm not alone in that. The Pew Research has done a lot of study about this, and, and in 19, sorry, 2016, they issued a report talking about the trust that we have in media. And this is, I know it's probably really small for you to look at, but it says that few have lost a lot of confidence in information from professional news outlets or friends and family. The majority show that there is at least some trust in both. And it talks about local news organizations. There are 22% has a lot of trust in your local news organizations. That's like your, your DFW Channel 5 or WFAA or, or CBS 11, those tie, or Fox 4. I'll just go ahead and get all, all four of them out there so I'm not being biased. Um, all those local news organizations that say, this is what's happening in our community right here and right now. 22%, 60% have some. So you can see that there's still a gap of people who have absolutely no trust at all. National news organizations, when we start getting to the, the late night, the five, uh, 5.30 news and then your, uh, your cable news networks, that goes down to 18% that really trusted and then 59%, I believe, that, that kind of somewhat trusted. This is what I think is funny, family and friends. 14% of people trust their family and friends, a lot. And 63%, you know, just some. But when we get to social media, that's when it gets dangerous. One of my favorite memes that I've seen posted, especially during political season, it's this big old giant blue dot and there's a little legend on the side, and it has a blue dot that says, those whose opinions were changed by a political post on Facebook, and all of it's blue, and then there's a red one that says, those whose views were changed by a political post on Facebook. Maybe I find that more funny than you do. But <laughs> it goes to prove the fact, you know, 4% of people really trust what is posted on social media while only 30% have some trust in what's posted on social media. Now, I admit it doesn't help when you have organizations like Babylon Bee or, or The Onion or other satirical news uh, organizations out there having fun with political stories or stories that are happening out in the world. And that kind of helps misguide some of the trust, but 
honestly, we really don't have that much trust in, in the, where we get our news and where our information. Now, when we take a look at politics, it's a, a different story. Now, I know we can get into a hypersensitive political debate, but uh, the, Pew Research in, pre, the Pew Research Center in 2017 also did a, a study on this, and since 1958, the reliability or trust factor in our government has declined significantly. In 1958, it says 73% of people had trust in their government. And while in 2017, after a, a sharp decline, with, with, with a bit of a bump around 2001, around 9-11, it has dropped all the way down to 18%. Isn't that amazing? 18% of people do not trust our government. And we have less trust in our news media. We have less trust in our government. We have less trust in our family, who we're really supposed to trust. So it makes you wonder... How in the world can we trust God? When we have built into this system of this trust, how can we take the time to really trust in a God who loves us, or who we hear loves us and cares for us? So the question would be, how would you describe your trust level? If you were to say between one and a hundred percent, where would you put your own trust in God? Has there been things happen in your life that, that make you think that God is untrustworthy? Have there been events or, or comments or, or ways that other people have acted around you to make you think that God is not trustworthy at all? We're going to take a look at one of uh, a, a Lenten passage of Scripture today from Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. And I think this gives us a good picture of how we could easily not trust in God because we see Jesus struggling himself. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus and his disciples came to a place called Gethsemane. Jesus said to them, sit here while I pray. And then he took Peter, James, and John along with him. And he began to feel despair and was anxious. He said to them, I am very sad. It's as if I'm dying. Stay here and keep alert. Then he went a short distance farther and he fell to the ground. And he prayed that if possible, he might be spared the time of suffering. And he said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Take this cup of suffering away from me. However, not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you stay alert for one hour? Stay alert and pray that you won't give in to temptation. The spirit is eager but the flesh is weak. Again, he left them and prayed, repeating the same words. And again, when he came back, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open and they didn't know how to respond to him. He came a third time and said to them, will you sleep and rest all night? That's enough. 
The time has come for the Son of Man to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let's go. Look, here comes my betrayer. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When we take a look at this passage, we see two plays happening. The first play is that, that Jesus with his disciples. You know, when, when we look at the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus gathers his disciples up following uh, the moment at the uh, Last Supper in the upper room, and, and he takes them all out to this garden. And they start to talk, and Jesus goes off a distance, and he prays. But Jesus takes three of the disciples with him. He takes Peter, James, and John. And I've always wondered, what is it with Peter, James, and John? Because there, there are three times in Scripture where Jesus pulls Peter, James, and John aside. The first time when, when uh, Jesus healed Jairus' daughter. Peter, James, and John were the only three that were allowed into the room at the time that Jesus participated in this healing event. We covered uh, the other time uh, a few weeks ago when we talked about the Mountain of Transfiguration where, where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain. And then we have this third time where we see the singling out of, of these three. Some scholars believe that Peter, James, and John, they, they, they give a full perspective of, of those who are following Jesus. You have Peter, who was considered the oldest of the disciples. You have John, who was considered the youngest of the disciples. When we have James there in the middle, you know, he, was, he, was, he was John's brother, but he is the first disciple to have died or to be martyred, while John was the last disciple to have died. So it gives this over-compassing picture of, of Jesus being there for the first and the last, for those who have higher status like Peter to those who we really don't hear or talk much about, James. All of these shows that Jesus wanted those that were close to him to be by his side. But then three times, as Jesus stood there praying, as he knelt there in the Garden of Gethsemane, being anguished, he, he realized that those disciples that he relied on, those disciples that he wanted in his presence, they were going to let him down again and again and again. That's kind of like us sometimes, isn't it? We may have the absolute trust in those that are around us, but then once again, when we are going through times of trial or times of, of disappointment, we may turn to see if somebody is there with us, but in all factualities, they have fallen asleep or they have lost interest. They have gone their own way because they just refuse to be there with you, or, or maybe there's just a lack of inattentiveness. You know, Jesus dealt with that too. But where we see Jesus having this full attention, even though sometimes we like to preach this series or preach this scripture as Jesus being absolutely abandoned 
by God. We see that he wanted to have time to be with his Father. I love the word that Jesus uses here in this prayer. He uses the word Abba. The word Abba is this this very uh, familiar term. It's, It's like Jesus looking at God and calling God Daddy saying, Daddy, I, I, I am here. I am in your presence. Please take all of this from me. Because Jesus knew that God was trustworthy enough to be with him during this time of struggle. C.F.D. Mole wrote that the intimate word conveys not a casual sort of familiarity, but it contains a deepest, most trustworthy, trustful reverence. I'm going to say that again since I really blow all over it. The intimate word conveys not a casual sort of familiarity, but the deepest, most trustful reverence. See, for, for Jesus, he knew that in this moment, in this moment of trial, that God was going to be with him in his time of need. And this isn't the only time that Jesus conveyed this truth. If we look throughout all of Jesus' ministry, he conveyed that God is trustworthy. We can hold on to God when things are rough, when things get difficult, that God will always be there for us. One of the ways that we do that is through the Lord's Prayer, that we pray every single Sunday. When we pray this prayer, I know it can easily be done. Okay, well, it's time. Pastor Chris is done with his little part of the prayer, so we're going to read the words on the screen and say the Lord's Prayer, and then that part of the service is over. But every single phrase in the Lord's Prayer gives us a picture of how God is trustworthy, how God wants the best for us, how God calls us to be in relationship with him. We start out with the phrase, our Father in heaven. Now, for, uh, for the Jewish uh, view of, of heaven, it's not this faraway place that, that sometimes we place heaven. There's this faraway place that we're going to go someday. But for Jewish cosmology, heaven is, is right here. Heaven is around us. That's why I love what Dallas Willard says about when we talk about heaven, it's not about getting us into heaven, but it's about getting heaven into, well, into us, allowing us to experience God's reign and, and God's kingdom right here and right now. God is in the very air we breathe, and we, we take that and we hold on to that. We continue with how it would be your name. There is nothing bad about God. God cannot sin, nor can he participate in evil. When we say that hallowed be your name, we are saying, God, you are pure, and we honor who you are in our lives. 
And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Again, highlighting that thought from Dallas Willard that we are to be a part of God's kingdom right here and right now. We're not waiting for this this rocket ship to take us to a faraway place, but we are called to bring God's kingdom around us. Then we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We trust in God that he will give us all that we need to help us day by day. We ask that he forgive our trespasses. We do wrong things all the time. I, I, I always just marvel when people say, well, I haven't sinned. Yeah, we all have. I probably have sinned three or four times already this morning that my, my, by my count. But we have these moments where we fall short. And we come to a God who is trustworthy because we know that he forgives us and makes us whole. And then we say, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. See, God longs to protect us. God longs to allow us to to be wrapped up in his arms. God doesn't want us to fall into the traps of the devil. But God wants to protect us and lead us in righteousness. So I ask the question again. How do you see that God is trustworthy? Do you take a look at the Lord's Prayer differently now and see that God is walking with us every step of the way, saying, I am here. Lean on me. Let your troubles, let, lay them at my feet. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that brings us to our next exercise. If you look in your bulletin, you'll, you'll see that uh, our soul training exercise is taking a moment to, to count your blessings. Now, I know that may sound kind of uh, easy and cheap, but you know, whenever I look, take a moment to count the blessings that I have, I see that God is the one that has allowed those blessings to be a part of my life. But the challenge is to make a list of 50 things. If, if you wanted to add this to your quiet time, take your five minutes of quiet time and then spend a minute starting to list some of those things that you are thankful for, those blessings that you have. I went ahead and started my, my list, and I have just a short list here uh, for right now. But, you know, Tracy, Deborah, our daughter, Jacob and Tim, our son, Samuel, our grandson, my mom, uh, have baseball, of course, morning cups of coffee, music, sunrises, my guitar, uh, The Office, the TV show The Office, I love that show, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I love that movie. You know, these are some of the things that I am thankful for, and I see God and am thankful that, that God has placed those things in my life, but I can keep going all of the things that God has given me. So your challenge is to come up with 50 this week. And if you hit 50 right away, go for 100. 
If you hit 100 right away, go for 150. And when you get these lists made, you can share them on our, our Facebook group page if you're a part of that so we can see what we're thankful for or just give thanks to God what, what God has given you. My friends, God is trustworthy. God wants the best for us. But I think what God wants more is us to have a faith-saving relationship with him, to let all that we have just lay it at his feet and give thanks for the love that he has for each and every one of us. Let us pray. Oh God, you have blessed us with so many gifts. Lord, we can spend a lot of time just listing those things off. And God, there are times that I wish that we would do that more instead of looking at those things that are dividing us, those things that cause us to uh, take trust away from, from you. Help us to not place what we see in the world around us. Help us not to place that onto who you are but help us to fully embrace your goodness and your trustworthiness in our lives. So, Lord, we lift these things to you. In the strong name of the one who loves us and cares for us, Jesus our Lord, amen.